you have a Bible, you can put your hands on. Turn to Romans, please. Turn to the Romans. And so if you have your Bible in your electronic device, please get that device and go to the book of Romans. Not all that long ago, one of our guest speakers was talking about the need that we have to bring our friends to Christ. And he mentioned it very quickly. He mentioned it very quickly. He mentioned a way of using the scriptures to introduce our present Jesus that is called by some people the Roman Road. The Roman Road. I just want to do a show of hands. Are any of you actually familiar with a Bible study using the book of Romans to lead somebody to Christ that is commonly called the Roman Road? The Roman Road to salvation, something similar to that. Raise your hand if you use that. So, so. Me and Bob. That's it. All right, good. So Bob, you can do other things mainly, but just stay with us if, if you don't mind. But it is a real convenient study because you, you can go just to one book of the Bible and you can stay there. And by using several passages from this book, you can introduce your friends to Jesus in a very simple way, a very concise way. But most significantly, you can share with them the Word of God in a way that is revealing. It is a way that, that hopefully is, is life-changing. It is uh, eternity-changing. And, and so if, if you have your own personal Bible with you, I would encourage you to, to mark these passages we're going to look at. And then those of you who have the electronic devices, you can actually make some notes and marks there in a different kind of way with, with that device. And I would encourage you to, to do that just so you have access to this. It'll give you more confidence just in case or when that time comes and you have a relative, you have a, a coworker, you have a neighbor, you have a friend, and, and you just want to share with them something that can change not just their life, but their, their everlasting, their eternity. And so without any further ado, and, and you can do this rather quickly, and I would encourage whenever you are studying this Roman road to salvation with your friends to get them actually to read the scripture. Now, if you notice that they're feeling uncomfortable, a little bit awkward with some of the words, then of course you read the word. But the, the focus here is not on my commentary, your commentary. It's just what does the word say? What are we seeing here in the book of Romans that puts us on a road to salvation? Now, one thing you need to know, because this idea is so good and, and so appealing to people, it's not original with me. Now, I'll put my own kind of brand on it and look at some verses that maybe others would not look at in their path. There are denominations that also have a study they call the, the Roman Road or something similar to that. The passage that Will so capably read from earlier, Romans 6, uh, 3 through 6, that is a passage that is not mentioned on the denominational Roman Road. And there's some other passages we'll look at that are not mentioned there. And so as we go through, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about here that uh, you, can, you can kind of put your, your own personality into the study, but just be sure you include the verses from God that give a person the complete picture of 
of the salvation process and what God has done for us through Christ. And you'll see this is something that really doesn't take a lot of time. First, on the way I would study this with somebody on the Roman road, I'd go to Romans chapter 3. I'd go to Romans chapter 3 and I'd look at Romans chapter 3 verse 10. I'd look at Romans chapter 3 verse 23. And then I'd also go over to Romans 6 verse 23. So starting in Romans 3.23, we read these words. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He goes on to talk about how we're being justified freely by his grace. But we're looking at this particular passage just to understand that we all sin. We all sin. We all, at some point or another, we break a law that God has for us. Uh, Romans 3, that's Romans 3, 23. Romans 3, 10 says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. What I would do if I were studying with you, I would start with verse 10, then go to verse 23. Just kind of read them in order so we're not hopping around too much. And then turn over to 6, 23 of Romans because it tells us the consequence of our sinful behavior, but it also tells us some good news. This is Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we want the person we're taking on this Roman road with us to understand, first of all, we have a sin problem. And the consequence of that sin problem is death. It's not physical death, it's eternal death. Death is a word that means separation. Physical death is the spirit separated from the body. Spiritual death is far worse. That's the spirit, that's the eternal part of us separated from our eternal God. And so we want people to understand we're all sinners. Because of sin, we've been separated from God. And then we want them next to understand, like the end of verse 23 tells us, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Christ came here to bring us back to the Father, again, because our sins took us away from him. And that leads us to look on this Roman road to salvation, one page back, chapter 5, verse 6. We'll stay there for a moment, look not just at chapter 5, verse 6, but several other verses here. But Romans 5, 6 says, For while we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. So we just want to recognize the reason that Jesus came here was to die for people like us. Okay? And then a third. So the first point, we're sinners. Second point would be Christ died for people like us. And then the third point we would want to stress here is that Christ's death puts us on a path back to God. He reconciles is a fancy word. What's the word reconcile mean? It means to make friends again. And we want to look then, while we're still in Romans 5, we want to look at all those verses after verse number 6 there. So verse, four, verse uh, 7 says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Much more then, <coughs> excuse me, having now been justified, that word justified, I need to define some words. Justified is justified never sin. In the eyes of God, it's I have not sinned because of what Jesus does. 
I have been justified, how? By his blood we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more have been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received the reconciliation. You see how many times that word reconcile or reconciliation appears in this passage? So it really is important to understand what this word means and be able to explain it to our friend that we're taking along this Roman road. But the, the main point here from these scriptures is what? Jesus came to close the gap between us and the Father. He came again to reconcile, to help us to be friends with God. And without Christ, because we got a sin problem, and because Jesus died for the ungodly folks like us, without that death, it would be impossible for us to come back and be with God. And then, while we're in that section of Romans on this road, let's go back another page to chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, beginning in verse 2, we're going to understand from this passage that salvation is not something that we can earn. It's not something that we can work for. It's not something that we can possibly deserve. It is something that God gives to us because he loves us. Okay, so Romans 4, then beginning with verse 2. For if Abraham was justified works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies, remember justified, justified, never sin, the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also described the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Just understand that forgiveness here is God's decision. God decided that he's going to forgive us even though there's nothing we can do to deserve that forgiveness. There are some things, however, we can do, we should do to put in ourselves in a position to receive the forgiveness offered to us by the Father through Jesus. And that gets us over to Romans chapter 6 in our Roman road here. And this is a passage that we've just heard and we're familiar with. Romans 6 verse 3 and following. Or do you not know? Well, let me, can I start with verse 1 and, and just make up your own mind if, if you want to start there with verse 1 in your own personal study. It's not a bad idea. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in grace that sin may abound? Certainly not. King James says, God forbid. It, the reason I'm saying it might be wise to start there with verse 1 because we just read a passage about grace that somebody in their mind might, might think, well, that's a license then for me to just basically do whatever I want to do Forgiveness is God's decision. He loves me so much. He's pretty well obligated to forgive me no matter what I do, no matter how I am. Well, this passage teaches otherwise. See, some people in the denomination world are saying that because of God's grace, we have no contribution at all to make toward our own salvation. But the text we're about to read says otherwise. Again, what shall we say then? Should we continue to sin that grace may bound? Absolutely not. Certainly not. God forbid. How 
Shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know, here's the argument, that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. Now in the margin, you may want to make a note here that only three times in our Bible we're told how we get into Jesus, and all three times it is through baptism. Romans 6, 3 and following is, is one of those times. Galatians chapter 5, 26 and following is another of those times. Galatians 3, rather, 26 and following is, is another of those times. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 is another of those times. All three times we're taught we get into Christ through the act of, of baptism. And that's why baptism is so important. Now, we don't want to be guilty of overemphasizing baptism to the point of de-emphasizing the necessity of believing in Jesus, repenting of sin, confessing our belief, living a faithful life. Why are we, can I even say understandably, accused by people in the religious world of overemphasizing baptism? Because the religious world so de-emphasizes baptism. We don't really have to convince most people you need to repent. Just about everybody accepts that. You don't really have to convince people you need to believe in Jesus. Most everybody believes or accepts that. But when it comes to baptism, oh, no, no, no. And, and why is it that so many good people reject what the scriptures say about baptism? When there's so many passages teach baptism is essential to our salvation. These are good people. These are smart people. But they have just heard so many times by so many people, people they love, people they respect, people that are eloquent, that baptism doesn't matter. And when you hear it, when you're raised in that, it's just hard to accept new truth. It's just difficult. But that's why it's so important at the outset of this study to emphasize, we're gonna focus on the Word of God. That's it. We're just gonna look at what does the Bible say here. And so in this passage is teaching us that we got into, we get into Jesus through the act of baptism. Do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death, therefore we're buried with him through baptism. And also that passage, you can underline that word buried, it tells us something of the mode of baptism. It's not, a burial is not to sprinkle dirt on us. A burial is not to pour dirt on us. A, a burial is to cover us in dirt. Right? So a baptism in water is not to sprinkle water. It's not to pour water. It is to completely immerse someone in water. And that's why we do what we do. Uh, that's why, you know, you can, you can refer to uh, Acts, chapter, Acts chapter 8, right? That Ethiopian eunuch, there, there's much water there. Why? Why? Why couldn't they just use a cup of water, a jug of water? They need much water. The text says they went down into the water. Both went down in the water. Both came up out of the water. Why would both men, basically in the midst of a business trip, go down into the water if you don't need much water? If you could just be sprinkled, if you could just be poured with water in order to have a burial, don't they look somewhat foolish, these grown men going down the water, if it's not essential? Baptism in the New Testament was a burial. No one disputes that, that studies the scriptures, right? The dispute is, do we still need to be buried today? Can we just take a shortcut and be sprinkled, be poured? Um, anyhow, verse 4, Therefore we're buried with him through baptism, and that just as like Christ, the imagery here, he was down in the tomb, he's raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life for 
If we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that the old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. When you see that phrase there, our old man was crucified with him, you may choose in your own study to, to remind this good person of Galatians 2.20 where Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, and I by Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And you've heard me preach a sermon, some of you many times perhaps or referenced it in different sermons about what it means to be crucified, what it means to be crucified with Christ. The three marks of someone who's been crucified. Remember, he is facing one direction. He has no plans of his own. And number three, cannot turn back. And that's the life that we live. This is a great passage from Romans on this Roman road that helps us understand the importance, the necessity of being baptized into Christ Jesus. And I, I'm, I'm in my discussion, people, I'm wanting to look at the next passage is Romans 8 verse 1. Romans 8, 1, do you have it? There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are aware in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. He goes on to talk about what the law of the Spirit of life is. But if there is no condemnation to those in Christ, that means that that baptism that put us into Christ was, was a really obviously a really important decision, a really important step that we made. And so if there's, if there's no condemnation of those that are in Christ, what is there for those that are outside of Christ? There's condemnation. And so that's why this conversation, this examination of Scripture is so important. We're trying to help someone move from a condemned state to an uncondemned, from a condemned to a saved condition. And then I would, I would not just leave the person with these passages. I would go on to talk something about the, the Christian life, the worship that we get to be a part of, the, the decisions we get to make every day to be light, to be salt, to be, to be different kind of people. And if you look in, in, in Romans chapter 8, beginning there with verse 35, for, for example, you, you see... I think it's just some, some comforting words. Uh, if you're, you're struggling in your life and you just need some good news, it really doesn't get much better than Romans 8. Verse 35, for example, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And then you drop down to 37, yet all these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor present things, or things to come, nor height, nor death, or any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we're able to reassure ourselves and the folks that we're, we're talking to that, that nothing Nothing the devil can throw at us is going to cause God, cause Christ to stop loving us and caring for us. By the way, when we were back at Romans chapter, chapter 6 and we looked at the importance of being baptized into Christ, those next few verses after that are also good verses to look at that kind of describe what the Christian life is, is all about. But 
and, and, and what we need to stay away from. We don't want to just emphasize that Christianity is about avoiding the bad stuff. It's about also embracing great things. Every time in the Bible you read a no or thou shalt not do this, there's a corresponding yes or thou shalt do these good things. God hasn't just taken from our lives and hearts things that will destroy us. He's replaced those destructive things with positive things, with things that are a blessing to our lives. But a, a passage in my mind that I would, I would close the study with is uh, chapter 12. Chapter 12 of the, of the book of Romans. And, and really, the entire chapter is, is just gold. In, in talking about, okay, I, I have been baptized into Christ for the remission of my sins. I'm now not in condemnation. I'm in a saved state. How do I live my life? And in Romans 12, just, just helps us. It begins by talking about how we are not to be transformed by this world. We're not to be squeezed into the mold of the world by the world. But we are to be changed by Christ, the, the renewing of our mind, that we, we have this daily sacrifice. Anytime you read the word sacrifice, that there is a necessity, some kind of death. And what is the death? We're dying to the old man. We're dying to the old ways, the bad attitudes, the bad words, the bad behavior, right? And, and all that's replaced by something superior. And, and Romans 12 highlights that. If you look at verse 3 and following, talks about this, this great family, this great congregation, this great, um, this great ecclesia, this called out church, body of believers. And how, for example, verse 4, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members not have the same functions, so we being many are one body in Christ. And individually members of one another and talks about the gifts and the talents that we each bring to the feast. And, and we want to emphasize to those that we're trying to get into Christ that, that, that they're unique, they're special, they're uniquely talented by God. And when they come into the family, they have something to offer. We each have something to offer. And we don't want people to, to think that, okay, now I'm a Christian, I'm just out here a lone ranger and kind of do things on my own. God created us to, to need each other, to need need encouragement, to need support, to need teaching, to need forgiveness, to need the, the camaraderie, the, the, the fellowship of our, uh, our family. Uh, let's try not to be only children in, in God's church. And, and so this passage talks a lot about that. And then verse 9 kind of breaks down the nuts and bolts of practical Christian living. Let love be without hypocrisy, should be sincere. Hate or abhor was evil, cleave to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. This is the life we live, right? Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfast in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, giving to hospitality. Of course, all these can be broken down and discussed in, in some detail, right? And then make it personal. Share your experience. Share your, your practice in Christ. And then the challenging here, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things inside of all men. If it, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, 
do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, is this a challenge? If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you shall heap coals of fire on his head. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That is the Roman road to salvation. These passages that we've looked at. That is the Roman road to a better life. And it is easy. It is obviously biblical. And this is a, a study that has been used effectively by lots and lots of people to bring lots and lots of people to Jesus Christ. Now you have it as a tool. You have access to, to this particular path. And again, I would encourage you to make it your own understanding that it all comes from God. And there are certain passages that I haven't mentioned that you might want to mention. There are certain passages I have, might, I have mentioned that you might not feel the need to mention in this particular study. But develop the study around your own personality. But the book of Romans is one book, it's one place in our Bible that we can learn everything we need to do to be reconcile to the Father. It's one place in our Bible that we have all necessary information to help other people also be made friends again with God. I would also say that uh, I've shared with you in the past a similar study just from Acts chapter 2 where we can do the same thing with just one chapter in our Bible and in the not too distant future we'll go back to that and we'll highlight that again. Okay, because this is important. This is important. One of the most important things we get to do is to share Jesus, to share the gospel with other folks. And we need to be equipped. It, it doesn't do us much good to hear sermons say, you need to tell people about Christ, and then just kind of leave it hanging. Now we have a way, a Roman way, a Roman roadway of leading people to Jesus. Would you pray with me, please? <clears throat> Father, we're so thankful for our Bibles that give us a path to salvation, which also give us a path to showing other people the path to their own salvation. Help us, Father, to look for opportunities to share with people the gospel of Jesus. Help us, Father, to be wise. Help us to be confident. Help us to be optimistic that the same gospel that saved us and has given us a better life will save our friends and give them a better life, especially not just here, but in the hereafter. Father, please send us people that will be receptive to your message, to your good news. Forgive us, please, we beg you, of our sins as we repent, as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Father, there are those who need to put on Jesus in baptism, as we've looked at from Romans 6, 3 and following. We pray that that will happen. We love you, God. Thank you so much for loving us. In Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. If we can help you, would you come, please, while we stand together and sing. There's a fountain.